Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield, the host and founder of Seeking Excellence. This episode today is an amazing one with my good friend, Aaron Black. Aaron Black is a focused missionary at the University of Connecticut at UConn. She's heading into her third year of focus, and she formerly was a Division I soccer athlete at George Mason and is originally from Northern Virginia. And so Aaron gets on here today and shares a ton of great stuff. We just super vibe out. We think a lot a lot of the same things. We think in a similar way and have similar approaches to a lot of things in life. And so Aaron, I'm especially excited to share this with you because I think that Aaron really embodies a seeking excellence mentality in a similar way to how Josie uh, Kuhlman does. You know, Josie Kuhlman, another former athlete, just approaches everything she does in her life with excellence in the mindset of, I want to crush this and I want to give glory to God through it. So I'm super grateful for Aaron. I'm grateful to know her, grateful for her friendship and think she's just an amazing human being. So I hope that you enjoy uh, what she shares with you today. And if you do so, um, definitely share it with somebody else who you think could, could get a lot from it. God bless. You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. You are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom, to go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ, to be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. Aaron Black, my good friend, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, it's always fun, I think, to record with my Instagram friends. And yes. so since you're since you're I consider you one of my <laughs> close Instagram friends, it's great to have you on here with me today. I love it. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> for sure. So I'm super excited to talk about everything today uh, that we're gonna dive into and regards to fitness and a lot of toxic mentalities that exist in the fitness world, especially your perspective as a woman and ex-female uh, D1 athlete, and just what you've experienced as a focus missionary. But first, I'd love to just kind of get your story. I know I've gotten to hear your story before, and I know that it's a <laughs> profound and an exciting one. So would you just share a little bit about your background, where you come from, and, and who you are, and how you've gotten to this point in your life? Yes, absolutely. So I am from Northern Virginia. I was born and raised here. From there, I went to school at George Mason University where I played soccer. And that was kind of where I came about my faith. Um, I had a conversion later in college, my junior year, and was very just focused on academics, school, relationships, all of that. Was going to, my plan after school was not being a focused missionary at all. <laughs> um, 
totally different. I had an internship with the FBI at the time and did that for two years and was going to go straight into that. And then had this conversion, encountered Jesus and changed everything for me. So much to the point to sign up for Focus, apply and accept an offer. And then I was assigned to the University of Connecticut and moved up there after graduation in 2019. And now I'm going into my third year as a missionary there. I love my job. I love the athletes up there. I specifically work with the athletes at UConn because I was an athlete in college through Varsity Catholic, which is still part of Focus. And it's been such a joy. It's a gift. And yeah, I love it. It's been really good. That's awesome. Yeah, and I know you're a rock star, a focused missionary. It's so fun watching you on social media and, and just hearing it from you um, of all the fun things you get to do and the lives you get to impact and touch up there. It's really Oh, great. yeah. It is. It is such a joy. Nothing, nothing compares to it. It's I'm very thankful that I'm able to be with the athletes there. For sure. Yeah, that's so cool. And are you going to be returning there this coming fall? Yes, yes. So I'm going to be doing my third year up there staying getting my team switching up a bit which would be great but yeah I'm I'm excited that's amazing and it's so fun to me knowing that I've gotten to be close with just focus at UConn you know is dear to my heart mm-hmm. because that was like my second missionary uh support team that I was ever on was with the artist formerly known as Michaela Rogers now Michaela Robinson oh yes yes <laughs> Shout out. Yeah, I missed her. I came in right after her and right. everyone talks about Michaela. She had a good stamp <laughs> there. So <laughs> Yes, Michaela is amazing. She was, we were just talking last night. She texted me asking about like my new job and stuff like that. And she's just a great friend of, of me and Emily. And I, I love what she I love everything about her and everything she does. I think she's so <laughs> awesome. So it's so cool, you know, that um you're kind of obviously definitely your own person and, and much different than Michaela in a lot of ways, but it's just cool for me to have that connection that you're there as well. So that's awesome. Oh yeah, for sure. Her and Dan are great. <laughs> they are indeed. Well, great. So I'm excited. I know you did a, gr- a great, a great job of preparing us for today's podcast. You know, some people come in with nothing. Some people come in with a lot. <laughs> Aaron <laughs> went with the side of coming in with a lot, which I love to see. And so we oh, had yeah. kind of, we had kind of come up with this topic together, actually, um, when I was just kind of ranting in one of my many Instagram rants about <laughs> uh, just kind of negative philosophies. And I love, I, one of my favorite things, I talk about this all the time, is I love acknowledging and talking about the ways that the ways of the world, the philosophies of the world, the secular beliefs, the secular, if you can even call them values, uh, seep into the church and they really affect people who are in the church. And I think that there's a lot of worldly things that have impacted the mindset around athletics, the mindset around fitness for many people who would call themselves Catholic, right? And so mm-hmm. one thing I think the church doesn't do enough of, and part of why we created Seeking Excellence is, I don't think we talk about these other kind of real world, practical life issues and challenges, right, that people face. And so this is a great uh, topic that we want to talk about today is just kind of the, a lot of the toxic mentalities and stuff that exists within the world of fitness, right? And not just mm-hmm. in fitness, but also athletics and body image and all these things that really impact both men and women uh, have unique ways that they affect men and women um, typically, you know, based on gender, but uh, really impact us all. And so we want to talk about Mm -hmm. some of this stuff. And the first thing I love that you kind of, you kind of brought up in, in preparing for this was talking about losing that identity. And I had talked about this long time ago with Tori Slayman, who's one of our guest hosts. 
and she was a college soccer player as well here at Benedictine actually and so mm. I know it had to be extremely tough for you I think I talked about it a lot in that podcast of leaving from being a soldier you know and how much of our identity mm-hmm. can be wrapped up in achievement but I know that was a big big thing for you and a big thing part of your experience and especially throughout your conversion so could you just talk a little bit to start us off with yeah just like how was it losing your identity and just finding your identity in Christ going from just everything was about you had FBI internship, you know, you're a D1 athlete, you're crushing it. You're awesome. Um, you know, you're in a relationship and like all that stuff to kind of leaving that stuff behind. Absolutely. Yeah. So my identity deeply came from these things that I could achieve at. So that is kind of mindset and what I was built up on. Um, yeah. Coming into college, being a division one soccer player, being in a five-year relationship, being involved in sorority life, having the popularity, the fame, all of it does a lot to your head and it, and it will feed that and feed this false sense of worth that is very fleeting. And, and I didn't come to recognize that until things were started, were taken away from me in a sense. So my first couple of years on the team, I struggled deeply with injuries. I, tore both of my ACLs back to back and it was brutal. And a lot of that took away soccer in a sense, but was still fighting through and trying to persevere in these places. But finally coming into my junior year was when, yeah, everything was stripped from me. And, and before even that part, it was like, as athletes, we're very much put on pedestals all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to be up there. And that's, that's certainly where the enemy wants to keep us. He's like, be on the pedestal and let people continue to keep you up there so that you lose your identity. So it's like, you're kind of like trapped in this place of being idolized and praised and worshiped for what you do and what you're accomplishing and what you can perform on the field. And, and it's completely missing the human person. So yeah, there was some point in my life where I sat back and it was like, I have every, I have all these things, like everything I just listed off, you know, on paper, I look great. Why am I still miserable? Like, why am I still empty? Why do I not know my worth? Why do even like personally not, not liking myself, like actually loathing myself and, and, and not being satisfied with any of it. Like something was deeply missing and I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't figure it out on my own. And It was my junior year of college where that all changed for me. I had, yeah, at that point I tore my second ACL. I blew out my ankle for a third time and my soccer career was over. And then at the same time, the other thing that controlled my identity that's tied with it is relationships. I had ended the relationship I was in. It was my first time single in seven years. And these two things that controlled my identity were gone. And I had no idea who I was, no idea. Right. And that that just brought me into a very dark place of asking those questions of who am I and what am I made for truly. And fortunately in that, that's when I met a focus missionary named Hannah and she changed my life. It was the first time someone could actually look at me and not see me for Aaron Black, the one dating whoever, the soccer player, the popular girl, whatever it is. She saw me as like Aaron Black, like beloved daughter of God and not a cliche way, like a very piercing, right. like. Not like I can a Christian see. movie type of way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like this, whatever. But um, yeah, for her to like see me in that and to continually choose to love me from that gaze and not what everyone else was looking at me at, not the shame that I lived in, it changed. It literally changed everything for me. So wow. yeah. That's amazing. And what age were you roughly at that time when all this was kind of going down? Oh, 20. 
about 20 right right when we went to 20s was when everything hit the fan so right yeah no it makes sense and so you're like about 24 now right Mm-hmm. Yeah. Four years into this journey. Yeah. So it's so interesting, but I just, I just like people to know that, you know, so you can kind of get a gauge of, of what age and stuff, this stuff was happening for people. But yeah, you said a lot of great things there that made me think of so much, but one of the <laughs> things that was really, really big for me was, and I kind of had this experience, I think to a, a lesser extent, I wasn't as cool as you, but still kind of <laughs> having some pedestal experiences, you know, when I was younger. Yeah. And I think that when you look at yourself, especially when you talked about like not loving yourself, right? So I remember experiencing that kind of in high school when I was like 15 or so, and I was kind of riding a little high and, uh, and I was quite literally riding high cause I was doing a lot. I was smoking a lot <laughs> and you know what I mean? <laughs> Sneaking out, take my parents' car, doing all this kind of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. and it was wild, but I, I realized, you know, when you see people that look up to you in this time where you don't love yourself, right. And not like you don't love yourself in the, like, uh, you know, an actual negative type of way, but like you actually have a decent sense of like healthy guilt that keeps mm-hmm. you from loving yourself, right? Like it's not just a, you know, I'm impossible to love, like, you know, state of despair, but like a legitimate, like I shouldn't be happy with myself right now, right? Like it's literally mm-hmm. your conscience is uncomfortable because of the way you're living your life, right? And I think when you have that moment and you see these people who are still looking up to you, it really makes you question a lot of your role models in your life, right? Like you look at all these people yes. who- you look up to and all the way from like your friends, parents, or, you know, teachers at school to like celebrities that you look up to rap artists, whoever it is, right. Like athletes. And you're just kind of like, is anybody like who is really doing it right? Yeah. You know, Amen. Like, yeah. which of these people are actually happy at the end of the day? Like who's actually joyful, you know, who's fulfilled mm-hmm. and you start seeking that out in people. And it's such a great point to get to, to when you can say, you know, I'm looking for role models. I'm looking for people to look up to. And I'm kind of starting from scratch. I remember being at that place in college and just being like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of starting over. Like I, I want to, I don't want to be like the, the guy who's got a lot of money and is, is single at 50, right? Like I'm like, I want to have a happy mm-hmm. family and a great marriage and be financially secure and, you know, be very close with God. Like I want to be these things. And so I started to change who I looked up to at that time. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So important. And yeah, I could go into that of just like, that is what's multiplied. If when you think about athletes in this this whole industry of athletics and fitness and all of that, and the people that are leading that, our coaches are the ones that are influencing us. Like, what is being multiplied there? Because the, right. the statistics show, like, athletes are the ones that are taking on the CEO roles. They're the ones that are coaching the next generation coming up. What is happening there? And I can tell you from being in the industry and like all the things I've heard, it is crazy it is like criminal what people are getting away with because it's like literally how are you yeah you're people just being destroyed like mentally physically and emotionally for the sake of what money greed whatever it is accomplishments and then when they're out of it they're just left in the dark like it's sucks it's horrible (laughs) right no absolutely 100 percent. and yeah it's it's really unbelievable all that kind of goes into that and just the uh constant manipulation the usage I think in a lot of mm. athletics, you think about it on the college level, especially, but I mean, I just have so much compassion and empathy for a lot of these athletes who, you know, make it big, they make it to the league. And then it's like, you just get kind of used and tossed aside. Right. And you see it constantly. Mm-hmm. Another thing that you brought up that I kind of want to start with, as we start talking more about like fitness and things like that specifically is, you know, you talked about your injuries, right. And obviously we related together with you, you just had knee surgery, what, like six months ago again. Yeah. <laughs> 
nine months ago? Maybe yeah. uh, a year Christmas? ago. Oh, was it I that had long? the nose. I had the nose surgery. Oh, that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> Can't keep up. Yeah. You go through it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was good. I was gonna bring up the migraines later, but um, <laughs> you've gone through a ton of physical ailments and challenges, and I think you know it's easy to kind of come to this point in fitness. I love talking about the mindset of things. And I think that a lot of times our the typical Catholic mindset around fitness is like, why try? Because you mm. can't get injured, right? Because you can't get, we have this, just like people do with money. It's so, I love, this is why I love CD excellence, <laughs> right? Because we always connect the pillars. Just like people with money are like, I don't want to care about money because I don't want to become money focused. People will be like, I don't want to work out because I don't, I'm not obsessed with my body image or whatever. And it's just like, that's not it either, right? Like there's yep. extremes on yep. both sides of this thing. <laughs> and not being a steward is not, not being, avoiding your responsibilities of being a steward for the sake of not trying to over steward, right? Or like over care about it is not make you a good steward, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You take ownership of something. So I want to just talk about first, like just share with us a little bit about like your passion for fitness and how much that did help you and how much you did like the positive sides of like loving athletics and how you found yourself in that way too. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I, I mean, it's always been rooted in me, like this athletic culture and fitness. I I come from a a stellar family of athletes. There's four D1 athletes in this house, someone who trained for the Olympics and someone who runs triathlons for fun. So it's like, it's always been this like intense um, competing has always been a huge thing in my house. So it's like, there's such good in it. And it, that's one thing certainly that comes from it. Um, but also like the place where I think was lost for me was like the objectifying is something I could go so many, I could go so many routes here, but just like how my body was objectified growing up, um, not specifically with my family or anything, but just like in life. And it's like, oh, the reason that I was choosing to show up at the gym or be fit or live into this was totally like the wrong, the wrong idea. Um, and wrong mindset going into it. It was like, most of it was, what can I do to, to draw more attention to myself or mm. yeah, objectify myself in this way. Cause that's what I was taught. That's what I was getting attention for. So it was like the world of fitness. Now it's like, who can starve themselves the best and get the skinniest and, you know, go into the gym just to get X, Y, or Z. But it's like, right now I'm in this I'm in this place where my, my body image is being restored, um, deeply. And I'm in this point where I'm shifting from looking at my body as a trophy to a treasure. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like? And recognize that it's like, I was never meant to be in a display case. I was never meant to be shown off in this way. I'm actually like a treasure worthy of being reverenced and honored. And with that, like this body, mind, soul integration that needs to happen in fitness. Cause it's possible. Just like you said, people, people will write it off. And it's like, that's not true. Actually, like living into the fullness of like glorifying our body is good. Um, but then it then comes the lines of what the social pressures are of what we should let look like needing to think that we're, we need to be fixed. Um, women just like hating their bodies for many reasons. And so there's just a lot of lines there that are being purified now that I, I used to live into deeply where I just hated myself. Like really, I was in the best shape of my life in college and hated my body. And now I'm in a training program now with this awesome guy, Dakota Lane, and has mind, body, and soul, like totally gets it. And just entering back into this place where it's like, oh yeah, I see my body more beautiful than I ever have before. And, and I'm not, you know, like 
seeking after the ways I used to, or even just the way I dress has changed. Like there's so many different right. things that have changed because I'm not looking at my body as bad. Like it's like my body is good. Therefore there's places to like honor it and protect it and take care of it. Like prioritizing our health. We don't do that in our society nowadays, busy culture, everything. The list goes on about the excuses of why we shouldn't, um, we shouldn't take care of ourselves. So. Right. Absolutely. It's so interesting, you know, cause there has been this like, uh, just, uh, a, a strong increase, I think both similarly to the mental health increase and like the awareness of that recently, like it, it does seem like, especially our generation, I feel like is much more prone to going and exercising, right? Like we do take mm-hmm. the gym very seriously and we have a lot of people our age who want to be fit, you know? I'm always like, I'm always shocked here at Benedictine, like how packed the college gym is, even compared to when I went to college, you know? And I mean, I, yeah. now I went to college, it was 10 years ago, I was a freshman, but it's just unbelievable. I'm so old. Out dating yourself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm basically ancient, but it's fun uh, seeing how many more people are in the gym and like, they're really fit and they're really getting after it. Now, obviously there's a lot of downsides to that, but I think simultaneously, you know, going back to the other, ex- the extremes is you have this other body positivity stuff, right? That's coming out. That is the uh, um, Lizzo form of body positivity, right? Where it's Mm -hmm. like, accept your body no matter what, you know? And I I love kind of hearing you talk about finding the middle ground of that, right? Where it's like, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't be super, super fit. You still hate your body, right? Like you're crushing yourself. You're killing yourself. You're driving your body into the ground, literally to the point of multiple injuries. And you're still like, I'm not good enough. But then, you mm. know, the other answer is not just what other people do when we get to the extreme. It's just, well, I'm just going to completely let myself go mm-hmm. and everything's going to be fine. I'm just going to, and it's like, you can still love yourself. Like nobody's saying to not love yourself or that you're not worthy of love if you're overweight. There is a reality of there's an extremely high correlation between COVID deaths and obesity and between mm-hmm. heart disease and obesity and between all kinds of health challenges, health issues, the life expectancy your ability to be a good active parent and, and just like actually play with your kids. Like there's a lot of practical mm-hmm. results of not being in shape. Right. So like the other extreme is to not go all the way into just letting yourself go. So how did you kind of find that balance of like, I'm, I'm going to continue to exercise and stuff like that, but I'm not going to get super negative, but I'm also not going to just like let myself go. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think this is such an untapped place for athletes that are transitioning out of college is that, we are literally treated like machines for four years and, and we work out in this intense way and we're doing like five hours a day, whatever it is. And then we shift into in normal life and it's like, wait a second, I don't have, I don't have the time to do that anymore. So how, how, how do I view myself then? Like, I, I know so many athletes that are coming out of these programs that are just like, I, I don't know what to do with myself anymore. And if I don't have it, like, if I don't look the way I do or, or I'm, yeah, my body looks the way it is. Like I'm not good anymore. And it's like, who's telling you this? Like, there's such a, there's such a gap there. I, a funny story for, um, for this particularly is earlier, earlier last year in the semester, Molly Bent, she was a UConn basketball player. She just got done with season and her and me were on campus, just like, Hey, you want to run hill sprints? Yeah, let's do it. And like, we're just like destroying ourselves on this hill. And this soccer coach from a local um, local college comes over. He's like, oh, are you guys athletes? And we're like, no, not anymore. We're former athletes. And he was like, so you're running hill sprints for fun. And we were like, 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and just like, and again, it's not wrong that we're running hill sprints in one intensity, but it's like, the, the hardest thing for me was shifting of like, this intensity actually isn't like, I don't need that anymore to, to in, in those ways, like to, because I'm not performing in that way anymore. Now, does that not mean like be intense and like, I need intense workouts. Like I need, I need some structure with that, but it's, it's a matter of just like ordering that. Um, and yeah, there's nothing about me that wanted to, I guess, like, let myself go in a sense, but there is an order of not destroying my body. And I think that's something I still, that's something I still struggle with of just like, yeah, my body, my body is a temple. It is a temple and it's very good. Like I don't need to destroy it in these certain ways. If I'm in pain, like, and recognizing my limitations there, especially with my injuries, which is a whole different tangent, but just like, yeah, there's still very good things that can come from that. And, um, and to not be fooled because I think going like going on the, on the route of just women that, yeah, are whoever lets themselves go to like working out and stuff. There's so much, the things that you see that are advertised on social media of what women look like, that what's behind that. There's so much, there's so much insecurity or self-doubt or there's so many things that we don't see. So I think that's the biggest thing too, is just not being um, led astray and like what, what is being given to us. Right. Absolutely. And I love you talking about how you need intensity in working out. Um, and you know that about yourself, right? And so that's something that I often stress because I feel like every time I talk about this, just because of my physique, uh, you know, for better or for worse, people always think that I just, especially when I'm talking to men, that people are always like, well, you don't have to be a meathead to to be a good man, right? Or like, you know, there's <laughs> yeah. other forms of working out. And I'm always like, 100%, you know, like, I'm like, some people, like you said, in your family, right? Like, some people like to run triathlons. I think people who, run, who do triathlons are insane, <laughs> right? That's not, yeah. that's not my jam. I'm not running for fun very often, right? But I do have like, some, obviously, you have to do some cardio and things like that. But I definitely prefer to lift weights. And you, you prefer intense workouts, right? Maybe full body workouts. And we all have to have like, I think, in order to be healthy, a balance of all of the things, right? Like, mm -hmm. I don't think that you can be, I think that even a man who's a runner needs to do some strength training, right? In order to be a, right. a capable man. And I think that men who strength train need to do some cardio in order to actually be healthy and fit, right? But I think that we all have to find our balance and, and see what it is and experiment with the different things so that we can kind of figure out what it is that we like, right? Like what inspires you to go mm -hmm. to the gym? What makes it fun for you? Because then I think you can more easily find that healthy balance because you're not just doing something you hate for the sake right. of attaining an untainable goal, but you're like actually developing a habit that's healthy and good for you. That makes you feel better, grows you closer to God, you know, and just helps you. Right. Be the best you that you can be. And Absolutely. Think, yeah. It's so important. Sorry, you go. No, 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 no. I was just, I was just saying, it's just so, it's so critical that people find that. And I feel like people don't understand that enough. We, the same thing goes kind of with your prayer life, right? Like there's so many different ways to pray. There's so many different mm -hmm. ways to, to date and, and, you know, and each relationship is unique. And your body's unique and the things that you have to do to kind of trick yourself into fitness or, you know, get that habit developed is, is unique to each person. Right, right. And there's just such last point on it, too. Like, there's such a beauty in pursuing fitness. Like, there's so much virtue that comes from it. I'm in a program right now where it's like, yeah, you're calculating your meals. Like, you're doing these, like, workout plans that are catered to your body. You're entering into these places. And it's so easy the first week of just wanting to cut corners and 
like not not do all the things and commit to this but it's there's there's so many places i've already grown in virtue from this commitment so i think it's easy to make it a cop out of like oh we don't want to do too much with our body or like or and just let ourselves go kind of thing but it's yeah it's important our bodies are good and and you and you learn so much in the experience of being able to take care of yourself so yeah and I, you know, I love the the quote or just the idea that like discipline in one area, it creates discipline in all areas, right? Like absolutely, you're either a disciplined person or you're not. And if you're a disciplined person, most of the time, if you have any type of like rightly formed conscience, you're going to be pretty virtuous as well, right? Like the disciplined mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. formed in the right way is going to be extremely virtuous, extremely holy, and really live a life of excellence. And I think that I always say, you know, it's the same discipline that takes you to, to stick to a budget every month that it takes to go to the gym regularly, that it takes to go to pray every day, that it takes to read on a regular basis, right? That it takes to be patient and disciplined and, and be a good spouse or significant other, right? In a dating relationship, that it takes to be a good friend and show up for somebody when you don't feel like it or want to. Like discipline, you know, ownership, <laughs> all things are like needed for everything. And so yes. the, in the same way, when you let yourself start to slack in one area, it's amazing how much it kind of creeps out into all these other things. I've been thinking so much, Aaron, about like, the the ant the life of anti-excellence right like what does that look like mm-hmm. and it really hit me last weekend the most random times right like the lord's crazy but uh <laughs> i saw you wrote that on your note to me today in the letter you're like the lord's crazy in the best way possible <laughs> yeah he is <laughs> that's where i just got that bro that's so funny that was an aaron black quote i just said to aaron black but um, <laughs> that's so funny i was at walmart dude at like 9 15 last friday night in Ashton, kansas so you can imagine there was a crowd, like it was, you know, it was, it was some prime people watching. Let's put it that way. And I'm there because I do late night snack run for the school. And I just see these people, you know, and like not being fully judgmental of this particular group of people, but it just kind of hit me finally that I was like, wow, I've never really like painted the picture for people of what the life of anti-excellence looks like. Right. And I'm still trying mm. to figure out the verbiage of how to describe that. But I'm like, your average American is overweight. Half of them are divorced. Most of them have tens of thousands of dollars in credit card debt, right? And are financially miserable. Um, most of them don't go to church or have a good relationship with God. Most of them are highly, like actively disengaged in their work that they do every day. They don't have fulfillment and purpose in their jobs. You know, they, most, of, most of us have very troubling stances on social issues and social justice issues, right? And, and have been manipulated by the media and propaganda to believe all types of lies, and so I'm thinking about, it, I'm like, most of us have significant mental health issues in crisis, right? Most mm-hmm. of us do not have mental toughness and grit. And so I'm just like, that's the average American life, right? Like that's what life without excellence of what I'm trying to preach here, what we're talking to people about right. looks like. That's what life without discipline that we're talking about right now looks like. <laughs> and it's no wonder that somebody like you, right, is, has been completely transformed once you had, once you got the Jesus piece, right, in the thing. <laughs> You're like, I'm already pursuing all these things. And now you're an absolute rock star, right? Because you're already doing all these great things. But now you have the Lord to fuel that and to form it in a positive way. And now you're approaching all of these things, or at least you're growing in a lot of these areas. And I'm sure if we laid out the seven pillars, you like me and everybody else would have ones that you're stronger in, ones that you're weaker. <laughs> but you're still generally, you know, pursuing greatness and excellence and virtue and holiness in all of these areas, but now formed by God. So I guess that's a good segue into mm-hmm. I want to ask you any thoughts that you would have on that, obviously, but also just like, how did, you know, the faith, your faith kind of really taking a priority in your life at around 20, like how did that shape all of this and really start to form all of this, especially your identity? Oh gosh. 
loaded question. Yeah, sorry, I said a lot of things there. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I 100% on everything you just said. Everything is connected, and we'd be foolish to think that it's not. So right. with that, though, with receiving, I yeah, it's like Jesus changed everything for me, and it's the when I before before I enter into a relationship with Jesus, like I was sharing before, like there is, I had all the things the world was asking of me and what the world had to offer. Like one of my greatest skills was like the world's love and just living into that. And it wasn't until I encountered this relationship with Jesus, I was entering into prayer. I was prioritizing him and the whole, the whole way that I operate day in and day out changed and was, and was centered on Jesus Christ. And yeah, that, that forms in so many different ways. And, but there, there is a huge difference when, when you know your worth. And, and that was something, it's funny, the timing of this, because even, yeah, becoming a missionary, I had this very solid Paul conversion, went all in senior year, become a missionary, all this stuff. I'm going in a third year. I didn't, I didn't fully receive my worth until a month ago. I had like a profound Easter. We went, <laughs> the Lord went crazy in my life and it was awesome. so beautiful, but that was, I received my worth there. And that was the first time I was sitting with a lot of places of just like where I acted out in desperation and just these desperation tactics that, yeah. in whatever, in whatever aspect of my life, because I didn't know my identity fully. And I didn't know, like, what does it mean to be a daughter of God and not just be this, like, again, cliche thing that is said, I'd finally experienced resurrected Jesus. And and in that, there's just like beautiful prayer with, with, yeah, interacting with resurrected Jesus and him being like, do you know what I've done for you? Like, do you know how good you are? Do you see your beauty reflected back at you when you gaze in my eyes? And I never, I'd never been able to see that before. I was, I was bawling my eyes out in the church for three hours. <laughs> like, like to just like the Lord, like we have, <laughs> We have a father who like unconditionally loves us, each and every one of us, and like wants to pierce our hearts and let us know how good we are. Are we aware of that? Like, are we, are we living our day to day doing that? And it's, and that takes time. Yeah. It takes time to enter like into these places, but man, it changes, changes everything. And for me to receive that, like, it was finally the point in the release of recognizing like, I, we don't have a mediocre man or God, like he's not taking back his resurrection. He wants his cross to have meaning. Like he, like we are free. The resurrection means freedom. We're not, (laughs) I pitched a tent at Good Friday and (laughs) love, love crucified Jesus. He was like, we're, we're made for Sunday. So yeah, with, with all of that though, of just like living into my identity like that, there's so much freedom. I have, if that's the biggest thing of what it looks like to live into your identity, you are free like you are free. And it's, yeah, my, my worst days with, with God are a heck of a lot better than my best days without him. So like, you can't make it up. Like you just can't, you can't make it up. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And that's so good. I love that last line. I used to always joke and say that my worst day at Mount St. Mary's university was better than my best day in ranger school. And I think that (laughs) that equally applies to, yeah, when you're close to God, even on your worst days, even when things are rough, you know, you just literally have such a different outlook on everything that happens, your interpretation of every event, every word that's spoken to you, every word that's spoken about you is transformational, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's one of the things that we kind of underestimate in like spiritual maturity. And when you're trying to like 
not like, again, not get judgmental of other people, but you still have to have like this awareness of who am I taking advice from, right? Like, who am I taking counsel mm-hmm. from? And like, Jesus tells us that you, you will know a tree by its fruit, right? And so I think that's one of the things that you can kind of tell, right? Like when people are constantly overreacting to everything, it's like, like, I don't just get mad at that for, for how much I don't like it, but it's also like, <laughs> as a fellow Catholic, like you're not supposed to be living this way. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is not, that's not it. Like you can see it in the, in the chosen, if you ever watch the chosen series, like, Jesus, oh, yeah. like with the apostles, just like, why do you guys get so worked up about everything <laughs> all the time? You know, he's just like constantly like, dude, mm-hmm. relax, Pete or Simon, relax. He's not Peter yet. Simon, relax, Simon, <laughs> relax. Right. <laughs> Matthew, calm down. You know, uh, Thomas, mm-hmm. stop freaking out. Like it's just constantly stop worrying about everything. And that's what he tells us that all the time. Right. Jesus does his scriptures. But I think what I want to talk or I want to hear about is kind of tell me about like what led up to that. So obviously a month ago, you're heading into year three as a focus missionary. This journey for mm-hmm. you started four years ago when you were 20. You're 24 mm-hmm. now. Finally have this huge breakthrough moment. That's so important for people to hear because everybody, you know, like Dave Ramsey, I've been listening to him a lot recently. He says, you know, it took me 30 years to become an overnight success. And that's what everybody <laughs> right? Like everybody thinks, oh, yeah. everybody's like, oh, Aaron Black, everybody meets you now, right? They, they don't know anything mm-hmm. about you four years ago, five years ago, when you're off doing your thing, you know, in the sorority. And now everybody's like, oh, Aaron Black, she's just, she's just like that. You know, like she just has a special relationship with God. I could never be like her. And there's people out there who think that about you, you know, and <laughs> they can't have it. And it's, it's wild to me, but I just, I think about when you tell me stuff like that, I think about like, I know, that you as a focus missionary were praying likely, you know, not assuming you haven't told me, but likely for an hour a day for mm-hmm. two years <laughs> before this happened. Right. Yeah. Get that. People just think, you know, God, just like they saw to Paul me now, right. Like saw to Paul <laughs> me right now. And I want to be holy, know everything, like be fully formed, be like these people I listen to on podcasts and read books about and <laughs> priests that I listen to, you know, and it's just like, no, it takes a lot. Like there's a yep. lot goes into it so t- talk about that so I'm like obviously it was tough for you when you started off I'm sure it, f- figuring out your prayer life when you were in college but then as a focus missionary it's probably a whole new level and then how much like talk about just the grind of like getting to that point of that big moment oh yeah absolutely and that's like there's too many people that think this is some two-week trial like it's a lifestyle we're talking about <laughs> like Jesus right. isn't a two-week trial and he's not this abstract ideal he's a person so it's like living into that and letting that shift I said I said earlier like I had a very solid moment of like being all in I'm a very all-in person it's either in or out and went went all in but it was like my senior year was the hardest year of purification of my life so it's like yeah there is work that needs to be done it's just like an athlete you're not just gonna show up on game day and be good like (laughs) you have to practice you have to grind like there's a day in and day out demand of you and Mm that that is going to get you to the level that you desire there so it's like it's the same thing with the faith you know I had you know I was showing up to confession every week because I had to like in right. in, in the sense of like I needed it and I was choosing to prioritize prayer and a holy hour every day because it was changing my life like I had people walking with me that were doing this with me which is so important I mean if I didn't have the focus team there and the campus ministry at Mason there's not a shot I'd be where I'm at like we need each other. I tried doing this thing by myself the first couple of years of college didn't get me anywhere. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, like we, 
yeah, my, that state at like just posting Bible verses on social media and claiming that I was, you know, knew Jesus and I didn't. I, I was right. missing out on so much. So we need people. Funny. We need communion, and we're made for we're made for community. Um, and we need someone that's going to continue to pick us up as many times as we fall. Because that's the other thing which mm-hmm. ties in this whole athlete realm is like the way we respond to failure and the way we respond to to when we fall. It's not it's not if you're going to fall. It's when you're going to fall. It doesn't. Like right. that, that is going to continue to happen. We have such a stigma of failure where we think we need to be perfect. And then when we fall or we mess up on the field or whatever it is, there's shame. The way we fix that is try harder. And then, and then yeah. it's like, <laughs> let's see where that's going to get this you. Like, yeah. And, oh my goodness. And then just tie that into like what you're saying earlier. Think about that into your marriage and family life. Like literally everything matters. Everything's intertwined, but I'll save that tangent. But yeah, so just just continuing to choose it day in and day out and have these people with me is what started changing for me. And I tell you, like, it's funny that you say that when people meet me now, it's like Aaron, the Catholic missionary. Like, yep. I'm like, man, if you knew me four years ago, you would not recognize who it was because right. homegirl was crazy. Like, right. And it's just like, the Lord's grace is real. You can't make it up. There's nothing you can do to earn it. Like he gives it and you have to be in a place of like a receptive place to receive that. Um, so it was truly just changing my life and changing the things I prioritized. I knew I had influence. I knew that what was happening was good. And this was a very good thing that I ached for more. Um, and yeah, and, and in my story, the Lord just, my first encounter in prayer this is the first time I ever actually got to enter into prayer. I was praying with the woman with the hemorrhage this woman who suffered for 12 years and just that was what I was experiencing and it was like by her touch of Jesus that everything changed he was like my daughter I've healed you of your afflictions and experiencing that and healing and then the Lord being like if you allow me to change your life like I will not only transform the lives around you I will transform yours and no human will love you like I can and it was really like entering into that and entering into healing I think that is another thing I could pop off forever. I, this year, especially like coming into my what fourth, fourth year um, of pursuing this relationship with Jesus and being a missionary, my team and the way they prioritize healing is what changed me. And, mm. and, the, and they're, yeah, so good. And just like choosing that. And I think, oh, our pride and ego can get so in the way of just being like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. My life is oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, dude, no, <laughs> like you're made for so much more. And yeah, this is the first year I, I um, started counseling. I've been, I've been oh, in spiritual wow, direction sweet. for a couple years, but those two paired and then having teammates that are like actively choosing your healing changed everything for me. And I've been healed and freed from things this year that have been, I've been enslaved to since five years ago, like things from my past that have been so heavy and it's, it's just choosing, like choosing the healing there um, was such a beautiful thing. And the Lord's faithful. There, there are so many things in my life where I was like, this will never change about me. Like, I will never be good enough. I will never be able to be a saint. I don't know how people do this. Like, I'm the most written off person. Like, I, I was the most written off lost cause that you could think of. And right. yeah, like the Lord, the Lord thinks completely otherwise. So for anyone who, yeah, feels discouraged in that and feels like oh I, I would never get there trust me <laughs> the lord the lord can change something in a moment so yeah yeah <laughs> you're, you're awesome but that was so great 
so much. That was great. But one of the things that, that you gave me several things to talk about from that, but I think one of the first things I want to talk about is this is the, one of my favorite quotes ever too, is like, if you want to change your life, you have to change your life. Yeah. Right? Yes, <laughs> Everybody yes. just hopes it's some magical thing, you know? And what you talked about there is that you had to actually go through things, right. And like give up certain things and start submitting yourself mm-hmm. to prayer and going to confession every week, right. And doing all these different things that actually made your life different that in turn over time made your life different. Right. And it, it's, it's the most simple yet like forgotten or neglected reality and like most common sense thing, right. That if you want to change things <laughs> in your life, you have to change the things in your life. It's the only option. And people don't want to change things. People don't want to let go of the past. People don't want, but they want all of the good fruits. Right. Yep. I mean, we see this most easily. I think this is seen with money in a capitalistic society of like, everybody wants to be rich, but nobody wants to go to work. Right. Yep. Like nobody wants to save and invest and do the things or take the risk on of opening your own business and all the hard hours and stuff like that. Nobody wants to do all that, but we all want to be a millionaire. Right. We all want to have all the money and do all these things. And it's like, that's not how anything works, which is why it's so dangerous <laughs> when we teach people that that's how money works. Right. Because yes. it's not how your spiritual life works. It's not how your health works. It's not how mental health works, not how anything works. So it's really unhelpful to teach people that in any reality, in any realm, because it ruins them to a certain extent, you know? And so we're super grateful. I know me and many other people for how you've changed your life and what you've committed to doing and just grateful Mm -hmm. for what God's done through you. But the other big thing too, is I think just talking about the wounds, right? And and we've been talking Mm -hmm. about this a lot recently of just, you know, how much God heals. Like, again, if you watch the chosen TV series, if you read the gospel is like Jesus was constantly healing people and he's not done. We have this like false facade, <laughs> the facade that we believe that like he's done doing that. Right. Like he just, yep. he just, yeah, that was like what he did back then, but now he doesn't do that. And we just accept that we have to be broken and lost forever. Mm. Right. Yeah. It's, it's so false. It's so false. Like that uh, in this year, especially with the healing that I've experienced and witnessed with my team, like I'm telling you, I literally witnessed a leper being healed, like straight up. Like I was like, this is scripture. This is happening. Like this is real. It's it's profound things like miracles of people's whole lives being changed by the power of God. And, and he wants right. that and he aches for that. It's not, you don't have to jump through hoops for it. You don't have to pray x amount of holy hours like right. he he just wants to receive you like he wants to see you and he wants to hear from you he wants to be with you and it's can we commit to those can we commit to that yeah that's what i love what you were talking about of how it's yeah we we want we want the quick and fast route of everything and what something father mark mary he's my spiritual director shout out to him i love him um in his new book habits for holiness he talks about the way to grow a rose, there's only like a couple things to grow a rose. They need sunlight, you know, they need soil, they need water, but there's a thousand ways to destroy a rose. And it's Mm -hmm. like with the faith life, like there are pillars that, yeah, that are going to form a faith life. I think we're all just like, what, what are all the things that I need to do? And it's like, it's actually very simple. It's just your matter of commitment to it. And there's a thousand ways to destroy it. So I hear you there. <laughs> that's bomb. Yeah, that's baller. I think that's so, so real, right? I, I mean, yeah, and that's so true in all of these areas. But yeah, so that's really great. And then the other thing that you hit on uh, previously was talking about being lost causes. And mm. this one I have, I have, yeah, two kind of things that I want to touch on there, because I think both of us have been in that boat, right? You and I have both mm-hmm. had pretty strong conversions. And I think 
it's oh man there's so many thoughts going on in my head but, <laughs> you know when you when you are one and then you come you know to know the lord and very gradually right start to live your life more and more right even though you're still riddled with mistakes and flaws and sins uh i think we have this desire to continue to chase those who are often mm-hmm. neglected, right? Because we've been there. And so we see, mm-hmm. when we see those kids, you know, I'm on a college campus, you're on a college campus. When we see those kids who, and I call them kids, even though they're adults, but when we see those <laughs> students, I'll say, who are, you know, really far from the Lord and really struggling and really out there, it's so easy to be like, this kid would never come to mass. This kid would never start praying. This kid would never do any of those things, right? Mm-hmm. And he, they just get no, so neglected, right? Like, and, it, yep. and again, going back to the gospel and things like that, the opposite of what Jesus did, right? Of And there's a tough balance here, right? Because like a lot of people will use the Jesus hung out with sinner stuff to like excuse a bunch of bad behavior and partaking mm-hmm. in bad behavior <laughs> and having as close friends, people who do a lot of bad stuff. Mm-hmm. That's not how I, I like to approach it. Um, but I think that it means that we have to be open to conversations and walking with people who are struggling and walking with people who are far away from the Lord, loving them, caring for them, having our hearts break that they are far away from God, right? And struggling and living this life where they're letting people use them or they're using other people or they're using, you know, substance abuse um, and all these different things to kind of numb them and try to get through life. Uh, But I think that we just have to constantly, I'm constantly trying to remind people, you know, that this is the real work. You know, I had, I had a conversation. This is really good. So I had a conversation the other day with this guy (laughs) who was applying to be, uh, he's applying to take my job here at Benedictine. And uh, we had dinner with him. Yeah. And it was great. And he was talking about how he used to be a car salesman. And he's like, you know, when I was selling cars, he was, he's saying how it's very difficult being in such a secular work environment. And he's like, there's so Mm -hmm. many people who are just very, very not anti-Catholic and that they hate Catholicism, but their values are very anti-Christian values. Right. And so he's talking about how hard that is. And I'm just like, you know, speaking to him and he has, I, I didn't really like tell him anything about myself. So he doesn't know anything about what I've done or that I was in the army or any of that stuff. Right. Mm. But I'm just like, I can relate to that in a, in a deep way. And I tell him about how important it is. Cause he's like three or four years younger than me. I'm just like, brother, I think it's so good that you were able to get out there and do that because I'm like, that's where the real work is done. The real mm-hmm. work is done is obviously within us first, right? That's the first work that we have to do is within us committing to prayer, the sacraments on a regular basis. But then the others is to, to go out into the world and not just to go out into the people who are and be friends with the people who are also going to daily mass every day, mm-hmm. right? But then go to the people who haven't been to mass in five years and who haven't, mm-hmm. you know, heard the gospel and who haven't really ever experienced Catholicism or experienced Jesus in a powerful way. Like that's the people we're supposed to reach and we're supposed to set examples for, right? And we're supposed to teach them about the faith and share the truth with them with love and charity, right? And I'm like, too, but, but he talks about how he's exhausted at the end of the day, how he's tired, how he gets hurt. And I'm just like, it's so good. Even if you're coming back here that you got to experience that because I'm like, we're, we're as a church, we're kind of like a football team, but too many people are afraid to go out on the field, which is what he was doing when he was at the car, you know, as a car salesman or you yeah. at a public university or me when I was in the army, like that's when you're actually on the field. A lot of us just mm-hmm. want to practice and weight train and do all the stuff that's kind of safe. You know what I mean? But people yeah. want to go out there. if I go out there, I could get hit. Mm. If I go out there and play, I'm going to be exhausted at the end of the day. And it's like, mm-hmm. dude, like that, but that's the only time we're playing. Like you're, you're literally not actually playing. You're just practicing. Mm. Oh, that's so good. You know that's what I'm so good. Yes. And we need more people in the game. Gosh, I love that. I love that so much. We do need more people in the game. And that's, it's like, Jesus is not scandalized by us. So why are we scandalized right. by these people? And I am such an advocate for 
the yeah the fringers the people that are so lost the ones that where you look at them and it's like oh yeah they will never be where I'm at because again if Hannah didn't choose me in the way she did I would not be where I'm at right now and that's like I literally pray for that as a missionary I'm like give me your craziest girl (laughs) (laughs) the craziest athlete that you have and I want to love on her I want her to know that she is good I want to be her friend I want to I want to grow and trust with her like I want her to know you and it's like that ache and that hunger like we need that and it's oh my god he like totally started my whole my first semester on campus I ended up in a in a house with a bunch of drunk girls running around and now all of them are in my bible study every single week coming back to church coming back to confession like because someone's encountering them it's like oh I see past all of this (laughs) like I see past everything that that you're grasping for or what people approve of of you and I see right through it and it's yeah, the Lord, the Lord wants us to love people like that. And I just love that. And that, that's such a good analogy with we need more people on the field. Like, this is war. It's war. I mean, this, yeah. this is war. When you say yes to Jesus, it's it's war. This isn't a walk in the park to heaven. Like, right. I, I once heard uh, a kind of friend mentor of mine once said that there's kind of three categories of people you have people who are watching in the stands, you have cheerleaders, and then you have people who are playing in the game. Yeah. Right? And <laughs> Yeah. And even a lot of people like we don't really even have a lot of space for cheerleaders right now. Mm-hmm. You know, people who are down on the field, but aren't really willing to go out and actually play. Like now we just need people on the field who are willing to play. And I think that it, it rolls into so much of, again, like I talked, like I kind of started off with like how the mindset of the world can kind of creep into us in the church. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the nice Jesus mentality, right? Of Like Jesus just wants me to be safe and comfortable. And like, mm-hmm. again, with the extremes, Aaron, like I, I you know, <laughs> what we talked about earlier and what you mentioned earlier of like, you can't do it alone. We then take that to mean everybody in my life has to be on fire for Christ. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's the other extreme It's like, you have nobody in your life who you're actually helping because you're only looking for people who can help you, mm-hmm. you know, and we don't recognize it as a selfishness because we look at it as a virtue of like, look, I have all these great Catholic friends. Isn't this amazing? And it's like, it is, but you know, and, and again, like going back to Hannah, something else that you reminded me of with her is it's not like Hannah wasn't going then to sorority parties with you probably, right? Yeah, like she didn't no. have to go out <laughs> with you and start drinking and, and, you know, doing all this this stuff that you were doing, but she still had to have mm-hmm. lunch with you, right? Like she could still yeah. get coffee with you. And that's what I always <laughs> say. You have to be careful with what you do and who you do it with, but you can't, but you, the other extreme of that is never even like having conversations with people who disagree with you. And we see this mm-hmm. a lot of times, like the social dilemma and like our political stances, but even in your faith, right? Like there's, there's just such, it's so interesting to me about how, you know, we, we just always want people to be kind of in this perfect spot. Right. And I've kind of wondered about this and just in my own life of starting the apostolate, starting seeking excellence. And like, when you work with people and like, who am I going to hire in the future? Who's going to be on my team? Right. Like who, like, do I want this to be a place where people can come and they're going to be transformed or do I need people who are already like really living out the faith, right? And there's different positions and different things that, you know, will require different levels, I think, of living beyond reproach. But it's just something that I'm constantly thinking about. And I think it's so easy to get to this point. I think a lot of rad trads, when we talk about like the traditional side of the church, we're kind of derailing into a whole bunch of other things. But um, (laughs) we think about some of those people, like that's kind of the extreme I feel like they get into. It's like, there's so many things that can easily disqualify people from being worth loving or being Mm. worth getting to know or being worth mm-hmm. you introducing yourself to after mass, right? Like it's so easy mm-hmm. for them to disqualify. Well, they didn't dress right. They didn't do this or that. And it's like, you might be right. 
but like the Lord still wants you to, and, and we still have to call people out, right? Like we're not talking about just accompanying yes. people, right? Like loosely accompanying and you just letting those girls continue to live your life. And I'll just be your <laughs> yeah. nice friend that kind of encourages you along the way. Like I have a feeling that Aaron Black can be pretty challenging, right? Like that's just my hunch <laughs> <laughs> that I have. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I can imagine you could be pretty challenging. I know I can, but you have to do that. And why do we have to do that? I'm reading A Church in Crisis right now by Ralph Martin. And he talks about how one of the biggest apostasies, one of the biggest heresies that's in the church, in the world right now, is this idea that there is no hell and that there mm. is no judgment, right? And this, it, you see this being so popularized by this nice Jesus concept that keeps coming up. And yeah. why do we need to be challenging the people? Why do we need to accompany these people who are lost? Why do we need to really care about them? You, you can't tell me that as these on-fire Catholics who are going to mass every day or regularly, are praying every day, say that they love people, say that they're full of love, that when you see somebody who you know is really far from the Lord and you don't do anything to try to evangelize them, that you're loving. Yep. It's not possible. Like it just doesn't add up. Like the math doesn't work right on that. So you have to make it, mm. you have to make sense of that for me. Then you have people who again are on the other extreme, right? Who are all about love, no truth, um, not, you know, orthodoxy out the window, you know, and it's just kind of this, like mm -hmm. we're accompanying people. We're like in the dirt, right? Like we're really doing it. And it's like, no, you're kind of like playing football, hitting each other, but with no ball, right? Like there's no action. Nobody's actually, <laughs> you never scored. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you're kind of playing, like you're playing and stuff, but you're not actually getting anywhere <laughs> versus the other people who are practicing, you know, without pads on um, and just kind of going through the motions. It's like, neither of you are actually like playing in a strategic way that can actually like put points on the board. And so, mm. yeah, I don't, I don't know. You probably have thoughts on all that. that I just ranted on, but I just felt the need to say Oh, that. I love it. <laughs> no, I love it. It's like, that has been another shift in this. Everything for me this year is like loving with that John six kind of love being like, mm. Hey, this is truth. And, and Jesus doesn't run after them and say, Oh, I was kidding about the Eucharist. Like, he's like, Oh, right. okay. You're going to go too? like there. It's like loving in those hard places that we often just avoid. Cause we're so scared. We're so paralyzed nowadays with just how the culture is and just like accepting and loving everything and everyone, like everyone. And it's like, yes, loving everyone, everything, but like loving and truth with charity is so important. And that's so lost. And it's like having the courage to step into those places and be like, Hey, I love you, which is why I'm going to share truth here, which is why I'm going to push back here, which is why like, that's probably not good for you. That's probably hurting your heart. Like, and, and not doing things out of a place of, of, being scared to do it based off someone else's reaction like which totally comes back to like us being firm in our identity it's there's been a complete shift in me now that I have my worth and I've received that and I like I am filled with that with Jesus of me being able to enter into these conversations and challenge people in a way that I, I like hadn't been able to before because it's like yeah first first of all I know my identity therefore from that I can flow everything flows from that for me to be able to love these people well and it's I, you're, you're spot on with like that's not real love when you don't say anything it's not like right it, it just can't be <laughs> yeah and it, the first is accepting the truth right that like the judgment exists like jesus did not lie in the gospels like there is going <laughs> to be eternity and like what you do here on earth is going to matter for what that eternity looks like for you mm -hmm. and then when you have love in your heart and you accept the truth then you want to let people know about that, right? And it doesn't mean you like mm -hmm. hold up signs on campus to say you're going to hell, <laughs> repent now, right? But at some right. point in your journey with somebody, when you're friends with them, you say, hey, like that decision you made, like, let's talk about that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, let's unpack that a little bit. Why do you think you did that? You know, was that like, because you thought that was like good for you? 
or you thought it was good for the other person or was it, you know, emotional based? Like, let's just, you know, you just start to unpack some of these things and some of these decisions people make and share with them. Well, like, do you know what God says about these things? You know what the church says about these things? You know, mm-hmm. um, I used to do those things and like, this is how my life changed when I stopped or when I tried to stop doing those things, you know, and just like witnessing, that's what actual witnessing is. It's not just being happy and mm-hmm. living your life and never bringing up the name of Jesus. Right. But like actual <laughs> witnessing is being like, I used to do that, or I know people that used to do that. And I found that I'm much more joyful and peaceful and closer to God when I don't do that. And this is why, mm-hmm. right? Like that's what actual witnessing to something <laughs> is. That's what testifying a witness. If you think about a witness, putting something on a witness stand, like they tell you about what happened, right? Yep. And how the Lord has changed their life. But we have so many silent witnesses now because now you just live in, and your example just like converts souls. And it's like, your example is like, we like to say, you know, my life is the only Bible some people will ever read. Like, that's kind of true. But like, your <laughs> actions don't actually, they don't actually like, like the, the knowledge of scripture and the gospels does not somehow like transmit into their mind by watching you live, right? Like you have to actually tell somebody that or they have to read it for themselves. But there's no just like actual knowledge of, oh, I need Jesus to be redeemed and experience eternal salvation. And I need a savior, right? And like, this is how I go about mm-hmm. that. Just by watching somebody live their life and occasionally tell you they went to church on Sunday. Like that can be a yep. good opener, but like it has to go deeper than that. Absolutely. The explicit is just as important as the implicit invitation to the gospel. Yeah. Like we have to be talking about, it. especially I think even more now, like we need to be more explicit than ever before because, and again, it's not standing on the side of the road, just screaming things. It's like entering into deep, intentional, authentic relationships with people where you're building trust, where you're building a foundational friendship and being able to share truth with them like that that is that is the beauty of of what god is doing in your life so i i hear you i hear you <laughs> i'm like i'm here for this i, love I had it. a slight hunch that we were going to agree on that for sure <laughs> going into it that's so funny but that's great so yeah thank you for sharing all of this stuff i think it's all been super helpful and love everything that we talked about even though we went into a lot of different directions mostly because of me <laughs> But uh, so I appreciate your patience and coming along for the ride there <laughs> throughout this journey. <laughs> I'm here for it. It's been a blast. So do you have any closing thoughts on, on just anything that we said or um, in, in regards to your mindset for fitness or just growth with God or missionary life? Anything else you want to share with anybody? Yeah, I think just maybe like tying all of it together is just like how important like the full integration is. We can't just focus on mind or body or soul. Like all three matter just as much as the other. And and I think now nowadays like that can be very separated. And yeah, it's just so necessary to live in all three. And especially like the core, clearly, obviously the core in of your spiritual life and prioritizing that amidst all of it. It's like once that's rooted and grounded, everything changes. Like you can actually live into these places and and the ways that you've been desiring. So I think that's the biggest thing is, is in what areas of your life can't, can that change? Like, can you prioritize Jesus and not make it this far-fetched ideal and, and allow that to, to give you your identity? Um, I think what, one last quote I want to share with the whole sport realm, which is really cool, is Varsity Catholic had a um, panel of pro athletes and coaches for our conference this past year. And Mike Sweeney, who's a Hall of Fame baseball player, one of the things he said that just really pierced me was it was in Chino, California at St. Margaret Mary's Church where his entire life changed and he encountered joy. 
He said it wasn't hitting hall. It wasn't hitting home runs in front of 30,000 people. It wasn't making millions of dollars being a professional baseball player. It was encountering Jesus Christ and having a personal relationship with him. That says something. And that that's just our identity is so much more than any of these things. We, we aren't what we do. We're, we're who we are because of Jesus Christ. So. Amen. What a great question. (laughs) That's awesome. Aaron Black, it has been an honor and a pleasure to do this with you today. So thank you so much for your time. This has been great. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me on.